Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mariella Meets. I'm Mariella Frostrup and each week I'll be bringing you a selection of the best interviews from our favourite guests. Movers and shakers from the worlds of art and entertainment, politics, business, music and wider society to discuss everything from their latest endeavours to career highlights and early beginnings. Intimate, in-depth talk with pioneering talents and fascinating folk discussing the stuff that matters to them and how they scaled the slippery slopes of success. We're lucky to be joined by the acclaimed actor James McAvoy, celebrated for his roles on the big screen like Atonement and The Last King of Scotland, his many television hits, including Shameless and his Dark Materials, and who could forget his visceral portrayal of Macbeth on the London stage. He's currently back in the West End in director Jamie Lloyd's production of Serrano de Bergerac, a daring reimagining of Rostand's 1897 French verse drama, using everything from rap and beatboxing to poetry slam mics. But this incisive adaptation is also, I would say, a very timely look at, at machismo, masking insecurity and, of course, the power of words. The thing that struck me, because I watched some of the play, and sadly I haven't ha- been able to see it live yet, but I'm going to be doing so in a couple of weeks, but but I watched some of it on a, on, on the National Theatre live um, uh, tape of it last night and and what's really really incredibly prescient about it is 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 that in this current adaptation it, it feels you know all of the elements that I just mentioned in the introduction. You know, your Serrano, he's all bluster and, and and bravado, but it's masking this huge insecurity. You don't wear the nose, but we're constantly aware of the presence of the nose. His his kind of insecurity uh, is that why you think the play has such enduring appeal because it can be translated to any moment in time. I, I think so. Yeah, I think that one one of my problems was the play, not necessarily the play, but productions of the play in the past have been that they're obsessed with the time that it that Rostand sets it in. Um, and I do think it's ripe for being set anytime, being set now, and being about uh, people now. And, um, and that idea that he's all bluster and uh, there's a kind of... There is a toxic masculinity about him and his and his cadets that sort of gets exposed more, I think, because we don't have the nose. We don't have the nose being some big thing that the audience can point to and go, oh, that's why he hates himself. Instead, they have to go, oh, it's not a play about a nose. It's a play about a guy who hates himself. Um, and it's a play about a guy who... Not only is he objectified by everyone in society, he objectifies himself, 
but so is everybody else in the play. They're all objectified and the suffering that they um, they undergo because of that, you know. Well, but that, that examination of the kind of the masculinity and, and all that, I think, is something that we get more of now in this production than I've seen in productions before. Anyway. And do you think that that was always present in the play? Is it difficult to extract that from it? Or was it very, very much available just below the surface? I think it's always available. I think it's always there. The play is about soldiers who kill people and also who also happen to live in a kind of fantasy land that Rostand invented where words are praised on every street corner and every single person in society is rated on how well they can speak or not. And um, uh, But essentially, at the end of the day, there's still soldiers who kill people and he kills people for looking at them the wrong way. Now, that's a very aggressive, very violent, very masculine kind, well, classically and typically, as we would receive it, I suppose, masculine kind of role. And yet, because of the word panache and because of the obsession with the beauty of poetry, which we still hold on to in this production massively, uh, somehow the horror of what these guys are doing seems to be forgotten because we just go, oh, they've got feathers in their cap and they've got their musketeers and they wear sort of uh, billowing trousers and they've got long hair and, and goatee moustaches and they're all kind of D'Artagnan and Athos, aren't they? And they're like, no, the soldiers who kill people. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and again, all the correlations with today's situation. I know that the director, uh, Jamie Lloyd, asked um, all of you in the cast to bring yourselves to the characters. Um, so what are the elements of, of James McAvoy that your Serrano embodies? What, what did you dig deep for? I mean, first impressions are uh, of a bit of a Glaswegian hard man, I hope you don't mind me saying. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> um, I think the things that I really tap into is, certainly when I was younger, I had this sense of, um, I don't think I ever had a chip in my shoulder, but I definitely had a sense of there being a ceiling. And uh, and I couldn't get through it. And there was, and that's not even necessarily in my career or in my business, but I'd always be looking for that ceiling, whether it was a class ceiling, a career ceiling, a social ceiling, whatever it is, some place that I wasn't allowed into. And I'd get, I'd get quite angry about it. Not as angry as Cyrano. I wouldn't write poems about it. I certainly wouldn't kill anybody about it. Um, uh, and I've never had to try and have a relationship with my like blood relative, uh, as he does in this. Um, but I think that's the thing that 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 is I share the most with Cyrano and the loneliness that that can then force upon you. Actually, you're forcing that upon yourself as well as society labeling you as ugly or beautiful or successful or unsuccessful or whatever it is. We can sort of we sometimes can push people away as well. Was there much debate about whether you needed the nose to have the nose or not to have the nose, as Shakespeare might have put it? <laughs> uh, when Jamie first told me, we we were sitting on the set of um, his Dark Materials because Lewin, his eldest boy, uh, plays uh, Roger. And um, so Jamie was there a lot, which was great. And uh, and Jamie just goes, listen, oh, by the way, I think we, I don't think we should do a nose. And to him, apparently, I was like, great, cool, brilliant idea. But in my head, I was like, eh, isn't it a play about a guy with a nose? But he was always like, it's not, about, it's not a play about a guy with a nose. It's a play about a bunch of people who are all objectified and who are incredibly lonely because of it. The other um, 
interesting thing, particularly in the light of what you were just talking about in terms of the sort of the tough exterior that, that, that your Cyrano uh, presents is uh, his relationship with Christian, you know, the handsome young lover for whom he, he writes words to help him woo the woman they both love. I mean, it's a, it's a classic, you know, menage a trois, if you will, in a way, without the actual sex on stage. Uh, but it does come with very strong homoerotic edges in this production as well, which actually makes total sense. Uh, but yeah. elaborate to me on, on why that became a, a part of this new adaptation. Uh, I mean, again, I think it's always there underneath the surface. I think that it's probably been less interesting in previous productions to uh, examine it because the 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 people in the production all seem so uh, emotionally available and sensitive and uh, in touch with how they feel and at ease with themselves. Um, whereas in actual fact, as much as these people in our production are at ease with expressing themselves through words, it's all quite creative. It's never it's not necessarily the truth of how they're feeling right then and there. And so therefore you've got these men, in the, this regiment, in this army, who can't tell each other how they feel, they can't, they can't love each other openly, but they can smack each other on the backside, and they can't take their clothes off around each other and pretend to kind of like shag each other and all that. Do you know what I mean? But him and Christiane go beyond that through their shared love of Roxanne. They be go, they go beyond masculinity and get to the point where they're like they're holding hands sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Um, there's a beautiful line in the play which I only really heard for the first time and I've been doing this play for literally years now where he says I, where Christian says I don't need you to speak for me anymore I've learned a lot you've taught me so much you've taught me how to write speak uh, feel and then he says touch and I've never really really heard it because feel you know I've helped him learn how to feel things but touch you've helped me learn how to touch I'm like that's you guys are going somewhere you guys are sharing something I know for a fact that I couldn't if I, if my only access to the woman I loved was through some guy, and if I was going to make that connection work with that woman, I would need to love that guy in some way because I couldn't spend that much time loving her through him if I didn't love him in some way, you know? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. James, when we were talking a moment ago, you, you talked about um, the sort of virtual ceiling above your head and that sense when you were trying to conjure up your version of, of Serrano for this play and dig deep for him, that, that, that you were reminded of that sense of, of not everything being possible. And, and, and you grew up on a, on a council estate in Glasgow. I wondered how much, you know, you were formed by that experience and your sense of, of what was possible and what wasn't at that time. Massive. What was the sense of what was possible 
or what wasn't possible was quite strong. Um, and then that, that, that sort of information was coming at me from everywhere. That was school. That was the television. That was, uh, the teachers at times, not all the teachers. I had a couple of amazing teachers who opened my mind, but, um, it never came from a family. My family always seemed to support me. They never pushed me too hard to go and do any one particular thing, but they were very uh, sure that if I wanted to do anything, I had the right to try, you know, uh, and they never dampened my spirits about trying or warned me too much that it was going to be too hard. Actually, when I became an actor, they got a bit worried. But um, <laughs> Rightly so, probably. I mean, obviously, it's been proved not to have been, but nevertheless. 90 yeah, percent of actors are out of work at any one time. So, you know, that... Um, but what I got really lucky with was falling into um, the arts and falling into, particularly in my school, there was no acting, but falling into the music department where a couple of incredible teachers, Anne-Marie Darcy and uh, Craig Smith, really just poured so much time and energy into everybody that walked through their doors. Uh, and that sort of exposure to music, which I've never really taken up in my life and continued with at all, but that exposure to music and art sort of, it takes you beyond um, your physical limitations. And if you can't get out of your council estate, you can still do drama, do art, do music, do these amazing things that humans have the capacity to do, which help you see beyond your physical limitations and open your horizons. Because society works much easier as everybody stays in one place, you know, and your horizons are closed down. Um, and I think that's why art and education at a young age, not necessarily to produce artists in later life, but art is so important in the development of young people because it allows them to open up the possibilities and see the rest of the world in a way that they've been told they're not allowed to. What do you think would have happened with you if you hadn't discovered that outlet? I definitely wouldn't be an actor. Um, I would maybe have joined the Navy. I always had a yearning to get away and... um, not to escape. I mean, Glasgow's my home and I love it, but I just desperately wanted to see lots of the world. So at one point I had a notion that I'd become a missionary priest because then you could go to far-flung places, but then I thought, oh, I'd have to give up uh, all hopes of any kind of romance uh, as a brought up <laughs> Catholic. And, um, <laughs> uh, and then so I thought the Navy. So I was thinking the Navy, really. I worked in a bakery for a while, but it never really stuck. And in terms of... Um you know, you talked about the arts sort of opening your, your mind and, 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 and the possibilities for you. Is that why uh, you've been so generous in terms of, um, I think you, you sponsor um, people to go through the, the acting college that you went to? I, I was thinking about it today, particularly because, of course, there's been this announcement that uh, it's going to now cost in the future students £100,000 to attend university, to attend further education. And, and, and we seem to have got to a point in this country where, where we've connected any kind of later learning as something that has to have a direct correlation to a job that you're going to get at the end of it. We equate its, its worth with the worth of your salary afterwards. I, I wonder what you feel about that. It's terrifying because it means you've got to be a success. Um, and even if you do go and study something academic or that has a, a real sort of clear chance of making money at the end of it, there's tons of you trying to do it. You're not all going to get that job. So you could go spend your hundred grand and not be one of the lucky ones that, that get or one of the, the, the top tier ones that get the top tier jobs, you know. So it's sort of you're starting your career when really you're meant to be continuing your learning. Um, 
And it's that's pretty terrifying because, you know, there's already a whole couple of generations of people who are still in uh, student debt. I was really lucky. I was the last, I think, the last year that got a student grant and got their fees paid for them if they came from below a certain uh, economic level uh, in Scotland. And I came out with an acting degree. I mean, what is that? But... Um, it didn't cost me anything and I'm, I'm so lucky that I got that I don't know if the country can afford to ever do that again I just can't see them ever rewinding it even if they could but just I don't know that's what society's for isn't it we all get together so we can look after each other and we're not just all hunter-gatherers just off on our own killing the person next door because you want their goods we get together to help each other it doesn't feel like we're helping um, young people trying to learn, trying to arm themselves to become productive members of society. They're having to pay to become productive members of society, and that's really, that's messed up. I mean, the government talks a lot about levelling up. I wonder if you think a kid like you were then, growing up in Drumchapel, would be able to become an actor now? I mean, there's a lot of posh actors around. There's, there's not so many, perhaps, from a working-class background, and, and it feels like perhaps even fewer. Yeah, it's uh, it's worrying um, because, like I say, I came from that background and I just got free access to education. Fantastic. And that is the way I think it should be. But And I'm sure any politician who's involved in making these new uh, rulings or these new fiscal uh, structures are would have a great argument against why. No, actually, it still is the case. You know what I mean? But it isn't. It just isn't. Um, and I've got nothing against actors from a higher economic background or better educational background or anything like that. We should have tons of them. Uh, but we should all, I don't know, the art should represent everyone, all colours, all economic backgrounds, all nationalities. We should all be allowed to um, to have access. The, problem, the, the, the real problem is whether or not somebody like me got to become an actor or not isn't really the issue. The issue is that if people like me aren't being seen on screens and on stage, that means that there's no art and there's no exposure to art and education at a young age. Uh, And that's a problem because that has wider, wider, um, wider wider implications than uh, just where the actors come from. That means we're not educating the children properly and we're not educating them on an equivalent level with those on a higher economic level, which of course we know is always the case across all the subjects, but we've got to give them art because if we don't give them art, their mind stays small and they don't get to walk into a room and bat on the same playing field with the same confidence as their their more wealthy cousins. Mm. Um, just going back to Serrano before I let you go um, uh, later in the programme we're going to actually be reviewing Joe Wright's uh, new film version um, you obviously starred in Atonement I wondered if you'd if you'd watched it or whether seeing um, another version would be terribly distracting when you're very much zoomed in on your own No, no, I've not seen it yet I do want to watch it I'm probably going to watch it um, when we finish in London because I have a couple of days before we go up to Glasgow um, and then go on to Brooklyn with the show. But um, I was actually texting Joe the other day, just saying, hey, man, I'd love you to come and see our one. Uh, so he's going to come and see it, I think, next week. Excellent. Still- he's then gone quiet on me. This, I don't know. Um, <laughs> he's a bit I'm, flaky I'm, is my experience, I have to say. <laughs> I'm off, I am all for it. I don't mind watching somebody else's version while I'm doing my own. I watched um, 
Kevin Klein and I listened to Kenneth Branagh do their takes on Cyrano. Not our, not our text, it was a different text, uh, which is very, very different. But I found that really interesting and quite enriching, actually. Um, uh, and look, we're all, we're all just custodians of this great story. And it's, it's, it's not his, it's not mine, it's not hers, it's not nobody's. It's Cyrano is Cyrano and we are lucky to get to tell the story, you know. And just finally, how do you feel about bringing your Cyrano, your hard man, Glaswegian Cyrano, back to Glasgow? Slightly terrifying. Because <laughs> um, I don't think, I mean, I've not done theatre there for 21 years, I don't think. And so, and Glasgow is an amazing place and it, it's really warm and welcoming and all that kind of stuff. But also Glasgow can turn on you real quick, you know what I mean? It can be like, oh, you think you're big time? So you just hope you don't get that. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be wicked. We've sold out up there. We get fifteen hundred in every single night, which is huge. Down here we do eight fifty, so doing five fifteen hundred up there is going to be amazing. The Theatre Royal is an incredible theatre. It's an honour to get to uh, walk onto that stage and do anything. Um, so it's going to be exciting, and we've got loads of friends and family that don't usually get to come and see things. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to Mariella Meets with me, Mariella Frostrup. There'll be more from the podcast next week, so make sure to download the free Times Radio app to never miss an episode. And don't forget, you can catch the live edition of my programme every Monday to Thursday, 1 till 4 on Times Radio. Catch you next time. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.